Before we continue, one of the ways we keep all of our content for you, the listener, free of charge is our amazing sponsors, and today, Anchor is one of those sponsors. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free, there's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcasts right from your phone or computer. Anchor is going to distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and everywhere podcasts are listened to, and you can even make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Tonight, Winter Soldier and the Falcon on our TVs, a crossover between the Runaways and Cloak and Dagger. Not only that, we're going to tidy up Daredevil, episodes 9 through 12, not episode 13. Marvel TV Weekly starts now! You're tuned in to AfterBuzz TV, the ESPN of TV talk. Now, let the buzz See, this time I said the right show. Welcome to Marvel TV Weekly. We are going to talk about Daredevil, so I get to use another of my favorite devil songs. That's right, Molly Crew. shout at the devil. Very nice. And if you're watching live, shout at us in the chat over there on YouTube, manning the chat. The one, the only, Zia Anderson, a.k.a. Zia Landerson. Hey, guys. Really excited to be here to talk about more Marvel things because we already talked about Daredevil Season 3, and I want to keep talking about it. Yes. Perfectly We've honest. actually talked about these same episodes <laughs> yes. in the Daredevil After Show, and I was in this chair, and I don't usually do the cold open for that show, and I actually said Marvel TV Weekly instead of the Daredevil After Show. So uh, I've gotten to say Marvel TV Weekly twice tonight. But the reason why we're mentioning it is because in that episode of the Daredevil After Show, which you should be watching anyway, mm-hmm. uh, it's uh, Zia, myself, Zach Wilson, and Jesse Klein. We do that show together. But we had a special guest. We had actor Jay Ali, who yeah. plays the one and only Agent Nadim. So if you want to see and he said he was very cool, great conversationalist. He was amazing. Yeah. That was a really, really, really fun interview. Just it's very insightful. Mm-hmm. It was only the third interview you've very done. Sm- it's only the third interview I've done. Yeah, and, and two of them have been on this show. Yes. And, yeah, well, I guess not that technically isn't this show, is it? Well, okay. It's part of the Marvel TV It's part universe. of the Marvel universe. Yeah, anyway, we so... We actually have, sorry, just really no, quickly... No, that's right. But Jay, at least in the chat... Already. No, no. Oh, we have okay. um, Haywood Wong, though, saying, no Jay, question mark... Sadly, we couldn't uh, ask him to stick around for another hour. You know, because he's British, we could have gotten him to sit. This is the third straight show Z and I have done together tonight. (laughs) So uh, we did Doctor Who uh, just before this, after. Because he's British, we could have gotten him to sit in on Doctor Who and then come on over here. But then we would have just had the same conversation with him, in all honesty. Three hours of interview. Yeah. So (laughs) I, I think... You know, I think it was nice enough of him to uh, give us his time. So please check that out. We'll talk more about uh, Daredevil Season 3. And honestly, because we had Jay in studio, uh, we didn't we weren't able to get into some of the nuances as much as I would have liked to mm-hmm. when we talked about some of the other characters. So uh, I think that will definitely be fun. But what I want to talk about first, the lead story, the big news is there's been a lot of talk here on this show and in other places, of course, but why would you listen to anyone else talk about it when you can hear it on this show? The idea that the uh, Disney streaming service, uh, Disney Now, I believe, or is it Disney Go? I think it's Disney Now. They're going to have, they've talked about a Loki series starring Tom Hiddleston, a Scarlet Witch series starring Elizabeth Olsen, and now a Winter Soldier Falcon series starring Sebastian Stan and Anthony Mackie and I think if you were to recast the parts I would just be like I don't know how interested I am I do like those characters honestly 
I would watch a Falcon show. I like Falcon. Mm-hmm. I think he's great. I think that Winter Soldier is interesting. But I, I wouldn't love a show with just him. So I think this is sort of like, oh, let's do like Power Man and Iron Fist. And I'm not saying that yeah. because they're white and black. I'm just saying it's like they're like two characters. They're like, yeah, maybe you're not into one, but how about the other? So uh, I don't know. I think that could be fun. What do you think, Zia, about the idea of a Winter Soldier Falcon TV series? I like uh, that they're that they're teaming them up as well, just because I think we've already gotten so much of Winter Soldier's backstory that we're not. it's not going to be focused on that. So you're right. Him by himself would be kind of like a... And honestly, Falcon by himself might be kind of like a, but I feel like together they make a very strong team and it would be really, really fun to see, you know, adventures with the Falcon and, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> the Falcon and the Snowman, as the it snowman, were. Yeah. yeah. So uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm excited about that. Let us know in the chat, especially if you're not excited. Tell us, you know, Ooh. that maybe you just don't want all these uh, extra shows. You know that this is enough, but. You know, it's interesting because one of the things I do want to talk about is you've seen some reports. And look, Netflix doesn't release the analytics or the ratings, if you will, for how many people watch their shows. But there's a way that people have been able to kind of figure out to have an estimate. And apparently what these stories are all saying is that viewership consistently goes down for the multiple seasons of all the Marvel shows. Mm -hmm. So that, I guess, Daredevil Season 3 has done okay, but it is down from Season 2. 57%? Yes, that's exactly what they said. So, and I'm just like, look, I liked Season 2, but Season 3 is great. You know, and it's just such a sharp decline. So, it does feed into that idea that Netflix is like, look, our business model is shows that people find, you know, and they binge months, years from now, Mm -hmm. five years from now, maybe somebody's going to watch all three seasons of Daredevil. And they're going to watch two seasons of Iron Fist and be like, wait, whatever happened to that crazy cliffhanger at the end of season two? We won't know because you didn't watch it until five years from now. So I think that there could be this, there could be rumblings over there at Netflix that, you know what? We have a lot of hours of superhero content in the Marvel Universe. People are going to find it later. We're not going to get new subscribers based on more and more of these. I, I think that we might not get much more after we get Punisher Season 2 and Jessica Jones Season 3, which both of which we know are ordered. Uh, you know, they're probably not inclined to do Daredevil Season 4. And what do you think when you hear that? Are you as disappointed as I am, Zia? Because I just, I just want all these shows to have like 10, 15, 20 seasons. And I feel like you could do that. There's so much source material yeah. and so many things like, pokers that they had in the fire that they could stories that they could go off of um daredevil and punisher definitely i know those are my two favorites so i always bring those up i would like to see more of them i was um definitely really bummed out when i heard that luke cage was canceled obviously iron fist although i do understand why they did that i didn't realize there was such a sharp decline even in luke cage yeah, um, I know that that's surprising. Yeah, that was you really just, surprising. I don't know the. It's what happens when you live in a bubble of where you watch these shows and you right. talk about these shows. You think that people are like, "Oh, everybody's excited about Luke Cage season two. and then it turns out like, "No, actually, they're not." Right? People give up on any of these shows. You know, there. I, I know a lot of people who didn't even watch Iron Fist season two, and I get it because they didn't like season one. So, uh, this it's Disney streaming service, and it's interesting too because it's like it's almost like. I don't know how many of these shows would fit in with a Loki series starring Tom Hiddleston. You know, uh, I don't know that they're going to want to rescue these other shows. 
No, I and I don't think that the the tone fits in with Disney streaming service yeah. style anyway. I think that they would have to turn it into something that it's not, and it probably wouldn't be as good, and it probably wouldn't be as successful, and people wouldn't watch it. And I just, I mean, that's just my personal feelings. Maybe no, wrong, but that's but. that's what we're here to talk about. And I, I, I'm inclined to agree with you. I want to be wrong. I want all these shows to make the transition over yeah. to the Disney service, or you know, like people have said that they would like a Heroes for Hire or Power Man and Iron Fist. You know, using the characters in a different series just because technically it's a co-production with Netflix. Mm -hmm. It can get messy. I I get it. You do stuff like that. Look, that's what the Disney Channel does. The Disney Channel has a TV series and they'll do like three seasons of it and then they change the concept of it so that they don't have to pay people. So there's a lot of reasons. You don't have to pay. You don't have to give them raises like as senior producers and things like that. It's like, nope, this is a new series. You're all the way back to your starting point. So (laughs) look, that's the way business gets done. This is Disney we're talking talking about that's why i bring it up so it could be interesting to see uh what they decide now another show that we know we have another season of because it's going to premiere right before christmas actually is season two of the runaways and zia you have not yet watched the runaways i have not i have not watched it and i know that everyone in the chat and everyone watching already knows how i feel about teenage actors which is a lot of the reason why i did not enjoy cloak Cloak and dagger Dagger. yes um however i will watch it because i've heard from enough people that it's good and obviously i'm going to have to watch season two so i will get caught up on season one yeah and i think that uh the i would say that the the younger actors are all great on the show there are plenty of adults so maybe if you hate the kids you're still gonna be the adult and including our friend ryan sands who has done a lot of things here at after buzz including our show so we hope to have him back uh for season two but it's funny you mentioned cloak and dagger because that's why i'm talking about uh runaways uh Uh, jeff Loeb made a comment that he could see a crossover between the runaways and cloak and dagger and Look, these kids are runaways, and, uh, you know, especially in the source material, Tandy and Tyrone are runaways. Mm -hmm. So it only makes sense that they would just have to run all the way from L.A. to New Orleans. That's the the one difficulty, because, you know, in the comic books, everybody's in New York. But... uh, I think that uh, the tones would actually work pretty well together, and... I'm just a sucker for crossovers, you know? The Defenders wasn't perfect. I just loved watching them together, you know? It was just so much fun. I agree. I'm the same. Yeah, so uh, I don't know. I'm excited at the idea, and, you know, that's what they do. They they tease you a little bit. They're just like, oh, maybe, you know, maybe we'll see it. So everybody's like, okay, we're going to watch for sure. Yeah, let us know how excited you would be in the chat uh, if there would be a Runaways and Cloak & Dagger crossover. I Uh, do like uh, Nicholas Stormy here in the chat. I hope I'm saying that right. Yes, um, that's that's our friend Nicholas Stormy. Oh, sure. Uh, oh my God! Imagine Punisher on Disney with a little wide-eyed emoji. <laughs> that is, uh, yeah. Yeah, it's funny. Just a, a, a very brief tangent. When they turned the movie Clerks into an animated series for ABC, which most people probably don't remember. Wow. Yeah. No. Yeah, Jay and Silent Bob, who are drug dealers in the Clerks movie, yeah, they sold fireworks on the animated series. No. They were just selling fireworks. Like, hey, kids, you want to buy some fireworks? That's what they did. So wow. this would basically be Frank Castle. Hey, you guys want to buy some fireworks? Oh, <laughs> you know, gosh. instead of shooting guns, he's like, well, I guess I'm gonna have to throw M80s and see what happens Throwing trank starts at everyone yeah right yeah exactly so uh it'll be uh, it'll be interesting if the punisher were to make that transition but 
I, I, I look, we can't get more bad Punisher movies, so uh, I hope that they keep the series going just to prevent there being some more bad movies. Uh, before we dive into uh, Daredevil, uh, speaking of bad, uh, The Gifted, Season 2, Episode 5, uh, Aftermath, and I'm, I'm playing it up a little bit. I think that there were actually some interesting things in here. Uh, I liked getting a little bit of the backstory of Erg and the Morlocks because mm-hmm. I do like that character in the comics. And I think there's like a fundamental, there's just a great moment that he has with Blink where, you know, she's just like, oh, they're beating you up, but you didn't have your powers yet. And it's like, nope, just good old fashioned racism. And I yeah. just thought it was, it was an interesting moment of just like, yeah, look, people hate anything that's different. It's not, yeah. let's not forget that they just hate mutants, you know? Yeah. So uh, I thought that uh, there was some interesting, you know, character development there. And also he's just like, to blink is basically like, you know, you belong down here, right? Mm-hmm. What are you doing? Pretending you need to live out of the sewers up on the above ground. You belong down here with the, with the sewer people. Uh, what did you think? Uh, what were some, let's put it this. I should never ask what you think of the gifted. I, and no one should ask me, but <laughs> what were some, some of the interesting, interesting moments, some of the high points for you. Well, that's funny that you say that. Definitely um, seeing the Morlocks. I obviously always want to see more of that, yeah. even though they're a little bit glammed up. I still enjoyed that. Yeah, I think I the... said last week that they look like a touring company from Cats. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Um, and Erg definitely yeah, looked like Mr. Mistopheles this week. So, yeah. um, But I did enjoy his take on living above ground and the fact that he... He doesn't want to fight for... Ju- he just wants to be sort of left alone, but he doesn't want any senseless killings. And yeah. they like that they can live freely underground. I like that they did that. I also like the uh, the branding moment. Okay. Where they branded the new the new uh, mutants that were down there that were going to live with them. I enjoyed that. Um, I Just to sort of be like, you know, like, if you're into the... If you're a part of us, you're really a part of us. Right. And that's why you, you know, you're wearing the brand. It's not... It's not like a, a you know a slave ownership or anything like that. It's like you no, know, you're part. It's like it's almost like an initiation. It's like you're in our gang. This is who you are. Yeah, but know? it's also kind of like wearing your differences proudly. He said because he, you know he did mention that if you do have a uh, noticeable um, mutation, you know, a visible mutation, then you do, you're excluded from the branding. Yeah. So it's just kind of a. Like a way of being, you know, this is who you are. This is basically saying you don't want to pass for quote unquote normal. Exactly. You know, because, you know, especially the, who seem to be the, the main, the main character of the new mutants, not the new mutants TV series or, or upcoming movie that's been shelved two times, but just new mutants in this episode. <laughs> uh, she was the one that we saw actually get branded mm-hmm. and she kind of embraced it. So I thought that that dynamic, I'm finding the Morlock storyline to be, to be continually compelling and interesting. Mm-hmm. I like what they're doing. I would maybe just prefer a show about the Morlocks, but I would. we, we did yeah. see some, you know, some good moments from our, you know, our mutant underground friends, you know, trying to help these, these mutants who were released from, the insane asylum i don't even know just the asylum basically the week before uh the purifier storyline i i just uh i'm just not buying it the you know agent jace who was you know sentinel services i get it you hate mutants but they make the point uh, the point that i just mentioned about racism Mm -hmm. these guys are basically the clan Oh, and 100%. Th- this is the clan for hating mutants. Yeah. And you're just like, I'm going to help you guys figure out how to do it. You know, and they're, you know, kicking indoors at a clinic and all this. And I was just like, 
uh, it's a bit of a tall order for me to buy this character. Now, I get it. He's a little bit desperate because his wife is just like, don't call me anymore. Uh, he had lost his job. But mm. I, 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 find it, I find it difficult to watch and not in the way that it's just a difficult subject matter. It's a, it's a little tough to swallow sort of this leap for the character. Yeah. What bothers me the most about that is, yes, he's desperate because he his you know wife told him not to call him anymore. But had he not gone on this crazy, you know, I guess it's a vengeance sort of path that he's on, he could still be with his wife. What he's yeah. doing now is what's causing his wife not to want to be with him. And you do, you see this, he's going in with these basically, yeah, clan members who are literally beating people and have guns. And he's going there, he's like, oh, oh, watch out, we're going too far, we're going too far. But he's still in there willing to do it. I don't get I don't get the character at all. Yeah, and, and believe me, if you had watched season one, that wasn't going to really help you. It, it's a leap for the... It, it would actually make it harder to oh, digest okay. if yeah. you had seen the character in the first season. Uh, one other thing uh, while we talk about The Gifted is uh, I actually found the Inner Circle storyline to be interesting this week. One, because Reva was away. Not a fan. Two, uh, I thought it was interesting to meet this mutant, Rebecca, who, you know... Was basically they were tr- the the cuckoos were trying to like we need to use your power because you're a weapon and then Andy's like hey you just want to go hang out and then she's like yeah okay that sounds fun and I do sort of like the turn that this Rebecca character takes like hey let's have some fun uh, and you know Andy's like what are you doing that's a police car she's like yeah I hate cops <laughs> and I'm like oh we're gonna talk about Vanessa on Daredevil uh, mm-hmm. in a few minutes. And this was like a Vanessa turn where she's like, oh, yeah, no, I'll use my powers to help you guys out because uh, I'm actually a really nasty person. But Andy's just like, oh, she seems to like me. What did you think about uh, Andy and Rebecca's uh, very interesting first date? That was a very teenage boy of him. Yeah. Of, you know, his hormones. And I get it. Your hormones are going crazy. A girl might like you. They kiss right in the elevator. Or they're about to. Yes. They're about to kiss in the elevator. So he's just enjoying that he has. And I think also he probably feels very alone in the inner circle because he's not quite a part of it. He's still a bit of an outsider. And he left his family to be with him. His real family. Exactly. So, you know, he now he finally has someone that he can kind of relate to and they can go off and have teenage adventures together because that's, you know, very rebellious teenager on both their parts. So it does, it does make perfect sense. Um, But you can see that she's headed down a much darker path than I feel like Andy is willing to go. And I think we're going to see some conflict there later. Yeah. I mean, we, we see every time that Andy tries to be the badass, basically, you know, he like hurts his sister, like, you know, so we'll see where that goes for him. But uh, I, you know, overall, I find where some of the pieces on the gifted checkerboard are moving, because it's not a chessboard, it's a checkerboard, where they're moving. It's, it's at least interesting enough that I want to see where it's going. But the uh, purifier storyline, uh, not for me. But uh, let us know in the chat if uh, we're missing the point on that. Uh, we have a couple more things to talk about. But before we do, we have a very important message, a very deja vu moment, <laughs> because this is the third time I've heard this from Zia today. A very important message from Zia Landerson. This is my third time talking to you after buzzers about our network produces after shows for nearly all of your favorite TV shows. From dramas, reality TV, sci-fi, and more, there is no network that works harder to serve television fans. But we need your help. We're asking that you please subscribe to one 
or more of our YouTube channels. By subscribing to our channels, YouTube will suggest content that is tailor-made for you, and you'll help AfterBuzz continue to grow. And if you're worried about pesky notifications, do not be because they are optional. You can turn them off. So hit that subscribe button now for this channel and check out our other AfterBuzz YouTube channels as well. Let us know you did so in the comments, and we'll thank you on air. For now, thank you for being the best fans and for helping us be the ESPN of TV Talk. Thank you, Zia. And we uh, are going to talk about Daredevil in a moment, but uh, I was reminded of something uh, when I was gathering stories for this. This is the weekend where we were originally, November 2nd, so this past Friday, was when we were supposed to originally get the Inhumans movie, which is not the IMAX presentation of the first two episodes of the the Inhumans, what ended up being a miniseries. It was originally on Marvel's slate for the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and then they decided to back away from the property, and they kicked it over to the television side. And it's just, it's an interesting testament to what sort of happened to these characters, because they've tried to have them be a more important part of the Marvel comic book universe, and they've had multiple titles that have been canceled, and it's ultimately led to a, a recent series that was called The Death of the Inhumans. Now, as with anything in the Marvel Universe, death is only as permanent as your next creative team. So they'll probably come back around. But uh, it's just interesting to see. These are some truly compelling characters that, if they're handled correctly, I think people could really respond to. Maybe it's just too hard to, to do on the screen. I get it. But it's just sort of a reminder of like, oh, yeah, there was going to be the big movie. And instead, it's just like, no, we'll just have Captain Marvel uh, in March. That's fine. We'll, we'll do this for the TV. Now, uh, Zia, you didn't watch the, uh, the Inhumans TV show because you weren't no. doing the show at that time. No. And I did see – and because I do pay attention to all of the um, Marvel shows because I do really love most of them – and I do judge books by their cover. I watch. I watch the you know previews and and uh, the word is escaping me right now. From three shows, uh, anyway, the previews before the shows come out uh, to, to decide kind of whether or not I'm going to watch them. And that one just looks it doesn't look great. Too I, bad. I understand. Yeah, yeah. It, you know, Medusa yeah. has this hair that moves and it doesn't uh, look great. And they like obviously heard that because they shave it in like the first episode. Anyway. Uh, so I don't know. I'm hoping that uh, we can see those characters get treated well. It'll probably have to be in comic books at this point. But if we could get an appearance from Lockjaw, the teleporting dog on Agents of Shield, I will certainly be happy with that. Any show, if they would like to show up, uh, I would be happy to see it. Anyway, uh, let us know in the chat if uh, you want the Inhumans to show up somewhere, but you probably don't because you know what? That's the way the majority of people feel. Uh, mm -hmm. People like the gifted and hate the Inhumans. I'm just the reverse, all right? So sometimes some of us come from the bizarre universe, which in and of itself comes from the bizarre universe of DC Comics. Nicholas Stormy actually said after the first two or three episodes, Inhumans was good. And capital good. It's Nicholas Stormy and I. We can have a we two. can have a watch along. We'll watch all eight episodes together. Because literally right after that, Orlando Williams says, "Let's pretend Inhumans never happened, please." <laughs> well, that's that's the that's where so Marvel that's, is right now. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, we do want to talk about season three of Daredevil. Now we are only going to talk about it through episode twelve, which is sort of an unfortunate way to talk about it for those of you who've already finished. But that's a product for Z and I, yes. having been on the panel for the Daredevil after show. We did four episodes each for the first three, and then we're going to do episode 13 next Sunday at 8 o'clock if you'd like to watch that. So we – because as we've talked about with Iron Fist, I watched all ten of them in a weekend, 
and then I needed to talk about that episode 10 cliffhanger, but I couldn't, I realized that for Daredevil, I'm going to have to actually watch the episodes that were assigned for each viewing. Uh, how frustrating was it for you, Zia, to not watch episode 13? So hard. Yes. With the way 12 ends, are mm-hmm. you kidding? And even though I, I did know that was coming, and I was sort of prepared for it, I was still kind of hoping, oh, maybe they just tease you with that, and it doesn't actually happen. So I really, which is crazy, because it was very de- definitive that, you know, what happened to Nadim. Um, but I was like, why can't I watch 13 right now? Oh, because you're going to have a like almost a week and a half before the after show. Yeah, exactly. Don't watch it now. Don't watch it. <laughs> uh, and uh, in case you're just joining us right now, uh, we did the Daredevil after show earlier tonight with uh, the actor who plays Agent Nadim, uh, Jay Ali. He was in studio with us. It was Zia, myself, and Jay. So please check that out. Yeah. It is archived on the AfterBuzz TV sci-fi fantasy superheroes channel. so That's Or just us. look for the uh, Daredevil After Show. Or I know we're supposed to give our Twitter handles out at the end, but at Christian DMZ, I did send the link out earlier, so you'll be able to find awesome. it there if you want to check it out. So uh, there, so we get really in-depth de- in, in Agent Nadim, but his character, it was so important one in this season Mm -hmm. but of course in these episodes so i thought it was really interesting the way that he touched on a lot of the different characters let's start with the other character whose life sort of you know basically interacts intersects with all these other characters and that's wilson fist the kingpin and this is a it's sort of a, a very interesting moment for the character because he finally gets vanessa to return home and at first my vibe was like, oh, she is not that into Wilson Fisk. He's mm-hmm. just basically been keeping her alive, floating, flying her around the world, and maybe you know, once she's actually with him, she's like, oh yeah, this is this is not for me. Uh, and then it takes a really interesting about face. Talk, I mean, I, we're talking about Wilson Fisk, but let's talk a little bit about Vanessa. What are your thoughts about Vanessa, Zia? I really, really like where they're going with the character because, first of all, to be with Kingpin, I feel like you have to be maybe kind of a psychopath. And I feel like we're seeing a little bit of that. I was really surprised at how eager she was to be a part of his life. And from and this is just from a just a regular standpoint, I understand why you would want to be more a part of somebody's life because if they're constantly gone and you never know what they're doing and you're just sort of living in this really fancy house with stuff around you, but you're not actually with the person, they can't talk about their day with you. I 100% understand where she's coming up from from that standpoint. However, I feel like I see there's a power-seeking standpoint as well that she's, you know... Yeah, I mean, she starts off at the point where the fact that anytime you have to speak to someone, you need to do it outside of your shot of me, that's got to just be like, there's just too many secrets. Right. That's not... Look, they don't have the healthiest relationship, but they have not built their uh, on on the foundation of whatever the relationship was. And... I actually expected the fact that she was just scared of him and didn't love him and mm-hmm. just didn't want to have that conversation. But it went somewhere very different. And I I was legitimately surprised. And I find it to be fascinating, this idea that, as we were talking about, Agent Nadim was going to be kept alive mm-hmm. and framed for murder. And instead, she's like, no, why don't you have uh, Poindexter take care of it? Why don't you have Bullseye go ahead and uh, take care of that? So uh, that was an interesting turn. Uh, we see Wilson Fisk in these episodes uh, not in control. And that's sort of a different way where he's 
ceding. He's letting go of his control to Vanessa a little bit, letting her make decisions. Mm -hmm. But the amazing scene when he goes to get his painting back from the woman who explains like, no, this was taken from my house by Nazis. You remind me of them. And he definitely respected her because she wasn't afraid of him. He's like, Mm -hmm. no, I've, you know, I know evil when I see it and that's what you are. And, you know, he says to her that Vanessa would want you to keep it. And she's like, is that supposed to make me feel good or am I supposed to care? And he's like, no, but, uh, but I do. And that's why I'm walking out of here with you still alive. Mm -hmm. Uh, Give us your thoughts on that scene, Zia. Oh, I absolutely love that they did that. And I actually did have uh, this looming sense of sort of dread that he was going to kill her to get that painting. Yeah. Um, but it's it's really interesting the way Vanessa kind of humanizes him. And I like that her character also adds that aspect to, you know, Wilson Fisk. Uh, because he sort of, I, th- I feel like now he kind of knows what love is and feelings and sentimentality is that a word? Yes, yeah, sentimentality word? Okay, is definitely good. a word. Um, and no, and considering his upbringing, you know, I yeah. mean, again, this is a guy who killed his dad with a hammer when he was nine. So, you know, obviously love is a sort of a weird concept for him. And I think that it's knowing this kind of love you're assuming for the first time in his life, it definitely has sort of changed him. And he... There, look. There's a shred of humanity in there somewhere mm-hmm. because of the fact that he's not like, I am going to murder this Holocaust survivor. Now he's pissed off that he's leaving without the painting, yes. but he gets it. So unfortunately for the guy who's in the car with him, when he then gets the bad news that uh, Nadim got away, mm. if Wilson Fisk asks you for your jacket, you should jump out of the car no matter how fast it's going. Yep. Because I was just like. I thought he was going to choke him with it. No, he's just going to cover him in the face and just beat the hell out of him. Mm-hmm. Uh, just th- that's what's always bubbling beneath the surface, isn't yes. it? Yeah. And he takes it out on someone who has done literally nothing. Yeah. Or nothing just to deserve the, uh, that. Don't, yeah. don't shoot the messenger. No, I'm no. not going to shoot the messenger. I'm going to put a coat on his head and just pound his lifeless body and then, you know, pull over and get rid of this body. Yep. So. I just needed a punch. I was angry in that moment and someone had to take the brunt of it. Yeah. Sorry, man. Yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> Jeez. So, you know, we we also get in these episodes is there is this moment where Matt is about to kill Wilson Fisk. He's yeah. there in the penthouse. Mm-hmm. And I thought it was great there's that woman there who's wearing the ankle monitor sort of watching all of his media and it's like, oh my God, please kill him. You mm-hmm. know, and she's, and it's like, you're not going to get another chance. And uh, Karen, again, Karen with her, with just her bad ideas. Crazy plans. Yeah, crazy <laughs> plans, making trouble. And yeah. Wilson Fisk was uh, ready to have her killed. In fact, that was exactly what he was prepared for. Talk about Matt reaching this place where he sees the only solution is to kill Wilson Fisk. Oh, with this and just the way the season has been going, I 100% am Team Matt at this point in time. At, I mean, throughout the entire... I, 
once about season uh, episode eight hit, I think I was team Matt. Well, you just don't see another course of action. You know, Matt he, doesn't see himself as a killer, despite the yeah. fact that he has killed many people on this show, yes. by the way. But <laughs> it's different. This is like premeditated, calculated murder of someone that, you know, look, he's he just knows that it's like you can't send him to jail. We have to kill him. They've already tried that. And yeah. they've tried getting him again. And for the second time, it didn't work. And think of all the countless people that Fisk has killed or ruin lives, or I mean, think about think about it. He killed what the FBI director. Do you remember her name? I it's escaping me right now. It's escaping my name um, too. But, but she he killed her her boss her, or whatever. No, no, her her child. Oh, she tells that story. Yeah, she only has one. That's child. like He's I, killing I kids. used to have two kids. Yeah, and she divorced her husband made to it keep look him like safe, an accident. and they made it look like an accident. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, she killed one of her kids. Yeah, and then yes, also, uh, you know, and we talked about. Julia, who was, or Julie, the girl Julie. that Dex yeah. liked, and just very nonchalant, very oh, matter yeah. of fact, it just has her but Yeah, so just the amount of people he's killed on camera on this show is plenty. Yes. And that, that, that's not the thousands of other people that he's responsible for the death of. Exactly. So Matt doesn't want to be in this place. But as we talked about in the Daredevil After Show, he's willing to go the legal route because Foz, Fozzie, Foggy <laughs> Foggy Bear is so determined to the, he just believes in the system and Matt I guess wishes that he still believed in the system too do you think that that's why he's willing to give Foggy's way a try I think that it's a combination between that and trust and wanting to tr- not trust not that he never trusted his friends but wanting to be able to rely on them again yeah and I think having that sense of camaraderie and sort of having people to fall back on and I think that also he doesn't want to have to kill him. So if there's a chance that another way will work, he'll try that first. Even though I think he always knows that he is going to ultimately have to kill Kingpin. Yeah, and that's where we see him end up at the end of episode 12, which, you know, it's it's the way these shows usually go. Mm-hmm. When you get everything all lined up and it's like, oh, it looks like everything's going to be all right. Uh-oh, no, actually everything uh, went straight to hell. Yeah. And now... We're going to have to improvise for uh, episode 13 and figure out where it all goes. Uh, So obviously very much looking forward to uh, seeing what happens with uh, all of that. Uh, The way that we basically leave at the end of episode eight is the fact this moment where Matt overhears that Sister Maggie is his mother. And it's something that we actually didn't get a chance to talk about in the Daredevil After Show. And just sort of this realization. And the fact that, you know, Father Lantham didn't tell him and he knew. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you get all the reasons, you get the flashback, you get to see it. It it all makes sense, you know. So, you know, Matt's dad, you know, probably should have known he was in a bad situation. He's like, hey, look, that really young nun that you're having clean your wounds, you should probably not hang out. And her friends were like... I don't think this is a good idea. Uh-huh. And she's like, this is like a man, and he is just getting his face beat in. No, this is definitely what I want. Uh, <laughs> talk about sort of how hard that decision must have been for her, and clearly we see the the guilt that Sister Maggie is carrying from that. Well, and I think that's a lot of why she's so compassionate and working with all of the orphans that come through the churches. I feel like she's trying to atone for what she did with Matt. Um, and I like that they bring that into it because before they mentioned this, I was like, oh, she had postpartum depression. Yeah. And then, of course, they mentioned it. She's like, that's before we knew about postpartum. So I think a lot of it, she's going to feel guilty, even though a lot of it isn't necessarily her fault. 
because they didn't have any sort of help or resources, she just goes off to, I mean, I'm not saying abandoning your son is the right course of action, but it's kind of like they didn't have a lot of information there. No, but I mean, there are unfortunately times where a parent will realize, like, I am not the person that is suited to care for this child. Someone else definitely needs it. And sometimes it's just, you know, giving it to a family member, just like, I got to get everything sorted out. So it's, it's interesting, sort of, she makes... A, a bad decision to try and compensate for what was a bad situation. Mm-hmm. And look, Matt's dad was in no situation to figure out what made sense. No, so it's sort of this, this, yeah, this, this heartbreaking situation that, you know, he is so upset about. And we see in a later episode when uh, sister Maggie is hiding Matt and Karen at the church, he's like barely interacting with her, you know? I, and I think he's just very cold it's interesting because, of course, Karen knows because Sister Maggie explained yes. it. So that, like, tension there, she's like, he's like, man, you are saving my life, but you also didn't tell me that you're my mom. For you know? years. Yeah. He lived with her there. Yeah. She took care of him and never once told him. And I understand that anger. I feel like his anger at... um the the pastor it's not a pastor I'm sorry Father Lantum Father Father Lantum is a little bit misplaced um, just because I and I understand why he's angry however that's a really tough situation to be in that's not really his secret to tell yeah yeah no that's not you know? I mean yeah exactly it's like no I mean there's a reason you're well your parents didn't want me to tell you so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, obviously that ends up all the more tragic with Father Lantum getting Uh. killed by fake Daredevil in the form of Bullseye, Agent Poindexter, and uh, just that that church scene. You know, we had some we had some interesting insight uh, before we went on the air, which uh, I we should have included on the air in that show when we were talking to Jay Ali. Was that the actor who plays uh, Agent Dexter uh, and uh, Agent Poindexter, his, his name is Wilson, but that Wilson was confusing. Bethel, yeah, because yeah, it's not Wilson Fisk. But he, the scene where he punches the wall, he actually broke his hand. Yeah. So all of his fight scenes were the last things that they filmed. So he went from filming the scene at the Bolton to the scenes at the church. Those are like, you did like a month of night shooting. It was all that stuff at the end. That was the last stuff that they did because his hand was broken, which I thought was fascinating. Mm-hmm. And uh, shame on me for forgetting to incorporate it in the ah, other it's show. It's so hard when he's giving you such good I know. stuff. Yeah, the show, the show before the show was great. We yeah. had a, a lot of good insight. So we uh, we'll have to uh, incorporate that. But we're talking about it here. Uh, so it, it's just, it's it's always so impressive. That's kind of the point that I'm making. That that scene and the shooting at the Bulletin, just these crazy fight scenes mm-hmm. with Charlie Cox, and just so well done and so tense. Yes. You know, they're they're a little hard to watch at times because you're like, no, oh, there's too much happening. You know, and they're always yes. so dark because Matt can't see. So, well, I mean, not with eyes. So, uh, I don't know. What did you think about the scene in the church, Zia? Well, I kind of had a feeling something like that was going to happen as soon as he went to go kill Karen. Um, but just all in all, it was, yeah, you're right. There was so much going on. It was such an intense scene, especially just from him first fighting with Daredevil, then going into going after Karen. And I really loved when she hit him over the railing and he landed on the, you know, on the yeah. church floor below. Um, I like that. Yeah, it was, 
It was in, it was intense. It and was it was a, a it was kind of like a nod to the original Halloween that you look back down and then he's gone. You know, yeah, that that's a, a good point. Yeah, I didn't think so about it that, was yeah. very festive that uh, that happened. Very nice. Uh, and you know, this all happens, of course, because of Karen, who felt like the right course of action was to have Daredevil lose control. Mm-hmm. And I do like that when she's talking to Matt about that, she's like, "I know you're telling me stupid." And he's just like, no, it was really brave. I mean, it's also stupid. It is very brave to do it, but it is also, you know, perhaps not the best thought out plan. Uh, But we find out so much about Karen in these episodes, but especially in episode 10, which is called Karen. And they had alluded to it. Uh, it was just really interesting to see, you know, very likable character uh, that we've known a lot about, but just to see just really just... You know, look, she definitely had lost her way a little bit. Her life had gone off the rails. But just this this dark moment where she's mad at her family, she's high, and she kills her brother, you know, in a car accident. And their police officer friend makes it go away, but she has to leave. And then that really heightens that moment from an earlier episode when she calls her dad mm-hmm. and wants to go see him. And he's just like, yeah, it's not a good time. Uh, give us yeah, and look. There's a lot to unpack in there. Give us your thoughts about Karen, the episode called Karen, and just sort of everything that we get from her in episodes nine through twelve. I love the backstory with Karen. I love that we got that because we know a lot about her as a character now, but we don't know much about where she came from. And we got back. We actually haven't never got really much of a backstory with Foggy actually, except for pretending well, to we've, Matt. But now we've gotten to see the deli, so we've gotten a little yeah, bit we've of Foggy. Gotten a little bit. Yeah, but, you're right. But before the season, we didn't know anything about yeah. Foggy's backstory. Yeah. So I really like that we're starting to get more on these characters because they're such likable characters and they have a really big impact on the show. Um, and you, you don't know that much about them. And I love seeing where Karen came from because you're like, oh, she's just from this really small town um, and was fell in with a local drug dealer. That was her boyfriend. That scene that really surprised me was the very first scene where she's oh, partying with her shirt off. Yeah, yeah. I know. The I party like, Karen. I'm like, okay, who's this girl? Yeah. You know, so. yeah, that was really interesting. And I like how they have the guy that... Um, comes to buy drugs from her wearing the corn t-shirt. Oh, yeah, that was actually... <laughs> yeah, just another D-bag and a corn t-shirt, was, buying drugs at a frat party. I own a corn t-shirt still from a concert that I went to, and I wear it all the time. All oh, the time. All and, the time. And Zia wears it whenever she buys drugs from Karen Page. From Karen Page, Yeah, but yes. only from Karen Page. No, that's the only, from no one else. That's the only person that yeah. you buy drugs from. Um, but, yeah, I really enjoyed that, and it was a bit of a nod to the comic book character, Without it being, like, as we have talked about many times, something they obviously can't do. But I like that they sort of nodded And I'm so it. glad that they didn't do the Karen Page from the comic book version of the Born Again storyline. Yeah, uh, no. We do always talk about we it because do. it's because fascinating it's crazy, yes. that they did that to a character. You know, just imagine like, oh, J. Jonah Jameson is on is on crack now. What? Yeah. 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 Exactly. Gwen Stacy's a meth head. You know, so, you know, it's just uh, it's just interesting. But uh, I thought it's very tragic, just sort of the way that her family life all fell apart. And then just that one moment, you know, just so angry at her family. And it just gets so much worse from there uh it just really makes karen such a much more tragic character than i think even you know look she's in a really bad spot when we meet her in season one so i I thought it was really interesting to get that backstory and we see her call the press conference to sort of talk about the indictment 
And there is the fact that she's, you know, still not dead. And, you know, that Agent Poindexter is, like, trying to apologize to the Kingpin for it not happening. He's like, nah, I can't trust you to take care of it. I'll get a man to take care of it. Now, that's not what he says. But he's, like, somebody that I really trust. And that's a really interesting turn from Dex. Mm -hmm. That he, one, wants the approval of the Kingpin but he sort of sees him as a guy who's like starting to do him wrong. You know, mm-hmm. he like wants the approval. He's like, if I'm not going to get it and just sort of how he goes back and gets that painting from the Holocaust survivor and you can see that there's blood on it. And, you know, he's just like, yeah, I'm just going to kind of do whatever. And the fact that he takes it upon himself to introduce himself to Vanessa, uh, I like where this is headed. I know some of you have seen episode 13, and thank you for not spoiling anything for Z and I who haven't seen it yet. Yes. Uh, I really that. like where it's heading with Kingpin, with Bullseye, with even Vanessa, you know? And just look, Matt's like, all right, look, I got to do what I got to do. I got to kill this guy. This is the only way that we're going to be able to get out from under this, is we have to kill him. So I don't know. I'm really excited to watch episode 13. Uh, what are some of the the big takeaways for you? you know, Z always has these these notebooks full of pages and pages of notes, but they're <laughs> actually way over, over there, there now. so yeah. you can't even reference I can't them. Even. But uh, is there are there a couple things that you that just come to mind that you want to talk about before we wrap up in about a minute or so here? Um, gosh, I feel like I just had something. I know there's something here in the chat um, that there's been a little bit of back and forth with that Ivan brought up. He said Poindexter became a villain way too fast. It didn't feel organic. He became pets, uh, Fisk's pet way too fast, which, you know, other people are saying they disagree, and I actually disagree as well. Yeah, I think, I think, it, that, I think it played out about right. Yeah. You know, I think we had the episode where we saw, you know, him obsessed mm-hmm. with Julie and the fact that they had worked together and all of this. Uh, you know, look, it happened. If it happened a little fast, it's because this is a 13 episode season and not a 22 episode season, right. you know. But I would rather it happen too fast than have it take too long. Uh, so yeah, I just uh, I've really enjoyed the way that they've handled Bullseye in the course of this. Uh, even though mostly when we see him, he's dressed like Daredevil, you know? They, yeah. But yeah. that's all right. It's, it's, I know. I kind of wish that, that it, we had more of a, a nod than just the hat. Yeah. I'd Although at least nice. we had the at hat. Least we that had was the hat. cool that we had the bullseye That is hat. true. Um, and then also, I love Ghost 8386, Daredevil's favorite corn song is Blind. Oh, look at that. Very nice. Nice, nice corn you. shout out. That there was you awesome. Go. Uh, so Ivan also buys drugs from Karen Page. Just a joke. It's all right, kids. <laughs> Don't do drugs. They're bad. So look what they did. Okay. If you really want to really you know, just say no to drugs, uh, public service announcement, Read the comics and see what drugs did to Karen Ooh. Page. Boy, I'll tell you, they drew her rough. <laughs> He's really rough, yeah. yeah. Uh, all right. So, uh, look, very excited. And, you know, again, we will talk about episode 13 of Daredevil next week at 8 p.m. Pacific on the Daredevil After Show. We'll also talk about it here. Uh, but there'll be another new episode of The Gifted. And who knows what news we're going to get about some of these other shows. Uh, but uh, there'll be so much to talk about. Uh, and we appreciate everybody uh, joining us here. This is the thing. It's like we're going to talk about four episodes of the show. There's so much that you just have to just jump over, mm-hmm. you know. But uh, we will have a chance to kind of look back on the season as a whole next week. I think that that's going to be the majority of what we do on this show and also on the Daredevil After Show. 
But for now, we do need to say goodbye. But thanks to everybody who joined us in the chat. And Zia, where do people find you? You can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Zia underscore land. It's XIA underscore land. Also, definitely be tweeting out a link for the JLE um, interview as well. That was so much fun. I was a little bit nervous, to be perfectly honest with you. I was really excited about it. He was one. a great conversation, you, and yes. it was so much fun. You'll get some good insight uh, from him on the show, in, not even including the thing that I remembered that they had to film the fight scenes at the end of the shoot. Yeah. So, you know, you'll get a lot of great insight there, so make sure you find it. And uh, this was, as I said, the third show Z and I did tonight, because mm-hmm. after that we did Doctor Who as well, so you can find that archived. And we're here right now but you can find me at Christian DMZ and if you want an interesting take on the midterm elections election night we'll be doing a two hour live special presentation of the Trump report at 9pm Pacific yes that's midnight Eastern but we wanted to go up when the polls will be closed so uh, make sure you find that you can go to at Trump report ABTV for the link and thank you to Anthony in the booth at Tony B. Tony underscore. That's it for this week. Thank you, Zia. And we will see you next week. Until then, Excelsior! Our founder, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and me, Maria Menunos, would like to thank you for tuning in to AfterBuzz TV. Remember, we're not just the first, we're the biggest in the world, and we're the only destination for all your favorite TV shows. Whatever you crave, we've got it. So go to AfterBuzzTV.com and check out our lineup. Buzz you later. <laughs> the views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals.